If you have your Bibles, would you open them please to Matthew chapter 2. Our Sunday morning series is called The Lights of Christmas. We've seen preparing for the light as John the Baptist came into the world to announce that the light of the world, Jesus, is on his way. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then last week we looked at the kingdom of light. We learned how there's two kingdoms in our world. The father of the night, Satan, has a kingdom. His is the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus, the light of the world, has a kingdom. And his is the kingdom of light. And you and I must choose this day what kingdom we're going to be part of. This morning, a shining light, Matthew chapter 2. In just a little while, we're going to read through the first 12 verses. But until we do that, let me ask you a question. Do you have a Christmas tree at your house? We have one at our house. Most of you probably have one at your house. And if you have a Christmas tree, you've got to have a Christmas topper, a tree topper. The tree topper is the ornament that goes at the pinnacle of your tree. It goes on the top of your tree. It kind of ties everything together on your tree. Now, according to the experts who actually get paid to study tree toppers, don't you want to have a job like that? Actually, there are people who get paid to study tree toppers on top of trees. And these well-paid professionals have given us the top ten tree toppers in America. Are you ready? You want to see if your tree is vogue, in style, not last year? All right. This is the top ten tree toppers. No particular order. Frosty the Snowman is in that top ten. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Galinda the Good Witch from the Wizard of Oz. The Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. He's actually on top of some trees. Tinkerbell. Yoda from Star Wars. A Star Wars Christmas with Yoda at the top of your tree. Elvis is on the top of many trees. An angel's at the top of some trees. A cross can be found at the top of trees. A bow can be found at the top of trees. Those are all top ten tree toppers. So if your tree has one of them, you've got a pretty good tree. But what's the number one treetop? It is a star. Now why would it be a star? Maybe, just maybe, speculating, opinionating. Maybe it's a star because a star is part of the Christmas story. I'd even go as far to say that the star is instrumental in the Christmas story. It's a primary player in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2. 
Matthew is the only gospel writer who talks about the star. Matthew 2, beginning with verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. All Jerusalem was troubled with Herod. And then he gathered together all the religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes of all the people. And he demanded of them, Where is this Christ that is to be born? And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it was written by the prophet Micah, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, and this governor shall rule my people of Israel. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had quietly, privately called the wise men to himself, he asked them questions of what time this star had appeared to them. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for this young child, and when you found him, come back to me. Tell me where he's at, and then I will come and join you in the worship of him. Now let me stop after verse 8 and just tell you, Herod was a wicked man. And he wasn't interested in finding Jesus to worship him. He was interested in finding Jesus to murder him. Herod was a murderer. His hands were covered with blood. Verse 9, And when they had heard what the king said, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced and were exceedingly great joys. And when they were came into the house, speaking of the wise men, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped this child. They opened up their, their treasures to him, the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being warned of God, the wise men chose not to return to Herod. They departed a different route to go back home. In Matthew's description of the Christmas story, he talks about a star. The star of Christmas. It seems that the wise men, two years earlier, had seen this star. They studied this star. They chose to follow this star because this star was going to lead them to another star who was a superstar whose name is Jesus. Now this star that Matthew talks about, that the wise men saw, that the wise men studied, that the wise men followed, that led these wise men to Jesus has been a controversial star. You see, we have many experts today, secular and religious, 
who have tried to analyze this star to explain it to us. You see, you and I don't have a lot of sense to these brilliant people. And so they have to tell us what that star was. Now, some of them say that that star we just read about, mentioned several times, was a meteor. You know what a meteor is? Falls from the sky, burns out very quickly, crashes, breaks up. Well, according to these brilliant experts who have IQs of 140 and 150, this was a slow-moving meteor. It was a slow-burning meteor. So it hung up in the sky longer than usual. And it took a while for it to clear the sky. And that's what the wise men saw. They saw a meteor. Now others, equally intelligent and bright, said, oh no, it wasn't a meteor, it was a comet, like Halley's Comet. A comet. You've seen comets fall from the sky? They have a tail on them? They Well, these so-called experts, these wise men, they say that of themselves. They said what these wise men saw in Jesus' day was just a comet. But it was a comet that was on a circular route. In other words, it went by the wise men, then went around the backside of the earth, came back around, and they saw it again. And then they saw it again. Then they saw it again. Now, no other comet has ever done that in history, but this one did, according to those who are smart. Others said, no, it's a supernova. It's an exploding star. That's what they saw. A star that was billions of miles away blew up. And in the explosion, a brilliant amount of light was dispensed. And, by, and, and after traveling billions of miles, this exploding star's light reached the wise men. And that's what they saw. The light of an exploded star from billions of miles away. Others said, no, 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 no. It's just an imagination what they saw. You see, when Jesus was born, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn lined up together. And the combined reflected light off those three planets that are perfectly aligned on that particular time gave off light that looked like a star. Now, these are brilliant people. This is pretty good, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're here? That this star could be a meteor, it could be a comet, it could be a supernova, it could be just an imagination that comes from three planets lined up. But you know, another smart guy said, no, it's none of that. It was a spaceship. Aliens from another planet were visiting earth. They were on vacation. And that's what the wise men saw. They saw a spaceship. Others said, no, 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 no. The wise men just made up the whole story. And Matthew fell for their lie. You see, the, 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 
the wise men wanted to have their name in print. And Matthew wanted to sensationalize the story. And so they just concocted all of that. None of that really ever happened. That's what people who are smart say about the star. Let me tell you something about smart people. Smart people become fools when they try to deny the Bible, the Word of God. We've got a lot of folks with IQs of 150 with Ph.D. after their name, and they're fools. You see, if you reject the truth of God's Word, you've got to believe a lie. And that's what these experts have done. They don't, they don't want to accept the fact that there was a star that day. And the wise men saw it. They studied it. They followed it. And that star took them to Jesus. Now I'd like to suggest to you that that star was not an ordinary star. It was an extraordinary star. It wasn't natural. It was supernatural. That word star in the Greek, from which Matthew quotes star several times, actually translates a radiant light. What the wise men saw that Christmas was the light of God. God shined His light. God shined Himself that those who were looking could see, and they would know that the light of the world has been born. God put the flashlight, if you will, on His Son in a dark world. And that's what the wise men saw. You know, it's interesting, in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 23, that the prophet writes these words, the glory of the Lord, the light of the Lord, has went up and has went out and left the city of Jerusalem and the temple of God. The light of God, the glory of God, has left the holy city Jerusalem, has left the temple where the people worship has left the nation of Israel, has left God's chosen people. The light has left. And God has turned out the light. And that light, ladies and gentlemen, would be out on a nation and a people that refused Him. Until that Christmas day, when God reintroduced that light to the nation, to His people, to the holy city, to the temple, to all, that light was God's light that shined that day. And the wise men saw it. And they followed it to Jesus, the light of the world. Very quickly in the time we have remaining, I want to share with you three things about that light 
things that I think are important for us to understand. The first thing I want you to understand with me, and I've already alluded to it, as this light that the wise men saw was supernatural in origin. It had never been seen before in the sky, and it has never been seen in the sky again. These wise men were very studious men. They were educated scholars in secular matters as well as sacred matters. One of the things that they did was they studied the stars of their day. They named the stars of their day. They knew what was usual. They knew what was ordinary. They knew what was consistently there and not there. They understood constellations and how certain scars can come together and form patterns. These were very smart men. And all of a sudden, one day, as they're studying the stars and the constellations with their eyes and with their telescopes, they notice a star that they've never seen before. It's a new star. It's a different star. It's an eye-catching star. It came from God, this star. And it shines a light. And they see the light. They study the light. They make a decision that this light is not only from God, it is God. It's the Shekiah glory of God. When Moses looked at the burning bush... He saw God as the children of Israel went through the wilderness. They followed a pillar of light. They were following God. The glory of God that Moses saw, that the children of Israel saw in the wilderness, that as Ezekiel said, has left us, had returned. God's Spirit appeared as a star. And that light shined. And that light God would use to bring men to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, do you think it's coincidental? Do you think it's accidental? That we are called shining lights? In fact, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 said... We are shining lights to a world that's crooked and perverse and dark. When God saved us, He put His Holy Spirit light in us. That's why we shine. And that's why when we shine, people notice us. And they inquire, why are we shining? And God gives us that shine, if you will, so we will bring men to Jesus. That light, that first Christmas, or that Christmas with the wise men, was used by God to bring men to Jesus. Looks it up. Our light that is within us is used for what purpose? To point men, to bring men to Jesus too. That from our light they will come to know the light of the world. Secondly, 
I would like you to think about this. Only the wise men saw that light. You know, the Bible doesn't say anybody else saw it. It was a new light. It was a brilliant light. It was eye-catching. It was different. You would thought that everybody who looked up would have seen it. But the Bible says only the wise men saw it. Nobody else saw that light. They saw it. They studied it. They chose to follow it. But it was just a few of them. The others looked up and couldn't see anything. Why? Because only those who are looking for Jesus will ever see him. If you're not looking for Jesus, you'll never see him. That's why some of us can come to church and we can be blessed. Because we see him, we hear him, we experience him. And that's why somebody else can come and sit right next to us and they see nothing, they hear nothing, they experience nothing, and they walk out empty and we walk out filled. The Bible says you will find Him when you seek Him with all of your mind and heart. And some of us come to church, but we're not seeking Jesus any more than a thief seeks a policeman. And we walk out and say, what a boring service, boring songs, boring preaching, boring guest. And yet some of us walk out and say, goodness gracious, those songs inspired me. That message taught me and enriched me. That guest, that Aaron Wilburn, boy, he ministered to my soul. I've said many times, you will find what you're looking for. And those who have eyes for Jesus and ears for Jesus and want to experience Jesus, they'll see the light. And those who don't, won't. You know what the greatest sin in the last days is? Not my opinion, Jesus what is the greatest sin that will be prevalent and evident and extremely noticeable in the days as we await the coming of the Son of Man? Murder? Rape? Idolatry? Immorality? Sorcery? Occultism? Hatred? Violence? Profanity? Vulgarity? Listen, all of those are bad, but that's not going to be the greatest sin in the last days. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus talks about the last days. He calls it the days of, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be just before I come again. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be before I make my final appearance. What were those days? According to Jesus, listen, they were days where people... Married, eat, worked, played, lived life, enjoyed life, and never gave one single thought to God. Secularism. Busyness about me. That's the great sin of our day. It's not that we have anything against God. We just don't have any use for God. 
It's all about me and my life and what I want to do. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my destiny. I don't need some God to tell me what to do. And you just live your life without Him. You just live your life without Him. The greatest sin is to reject Him. To reject Him because you just don't care about Him. Wow. The wise men saw the star. Nobody else did. Because they were looking for Him. That star was supernatural. It was new. It was brilliant. It was eye-catching. It was different. And then lastly, as I close, these wise men understood the Word of God. But it was the light of the star that took them to the God of the Word. Are you listening to your pastor? These wise men understood the Word of God. But it was the light that took them from the Word of God to the God of the Word. That took them from the Scriptures to the Savior. I told you these wise men were students of their Bible. And Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 26, do you know the prophet Daniel told anybody who would be interested when the Messiah was coming? He pretty much gave the year he would come. And Daniel 9, verse 24 through 26, you might just want to jot it down, read it later. The prophet Daniel said, from the time that the decree or the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem, 480 years exactly from when that command is given, the Messiah will come. Mark it on your calendars. He's coming 483 years from the day that the order is given by the king to begin rebuilding Jerusalem. These wise men had calculators in their pocket. They pulled them out, punched a few buttons. They knew the Messiah was coming. How did they know? Because the Word of God told them. They also knew where he was going to be born at. How did they know? Because the Word of God told them that he would be born in Bethlehem. The star appears. The star tells them that the Messiah has been born. They knew they were looking for that sign. God gives them the sign through his own light. And then the light disappears. And for two years, the wise men in a caravan travel from where they're at all the way to where? Bethlehem. They didn't have to follow the star. They knew where they were going. 
And when they arrived in Bethlehem, they had to stop and scratch their head. Bethlehem was about the size of Lincolnville. Can you imagine if I sent you to Lincolnville and I said, I want you to find Paul Jones? Well, Pastor, Lincolnville's not a big place, but there's maybe a thousand homes in Lincolnville. What are we supposed to do? Knock on every door? Yeah, do go do that. The wise men knew to go to Bethlehem. Thousands of homes in Bethlehem, though. Even though it's a small town, lots of homes. So how are they going to know which home to go to? What the Bible say? All of a sudden, what? The light shines again. And this light parks itself right over the address of Joseph and Mary. 612 Hallelujah Boulevard. Or something like that. Okay. And so the wise men, they know exactly where to go. God, who told them that the Son of God, the light of the world, had been born, now takes them to the exact house where He is. And they enter the house and they see Mary. They see a two-year-old Jesus, who is a good little boy. Talk about terrible twos, he didn't have them. He was a good boy. And they open up their sack. And they give him three gifts. Verse 11. These gifts, as you've heard me say many times, show why they worshipped him. Because it says when they came into his house, what did they do? They fell down and worshipped him. Can you imagine grown men, wise men, strong men, men of authority, men of great wealth, bending their knee to a two-year-old little boy and pulling out gold? They gave him gold. How many of you have given your two-year-olds this Christmas gold bullion? That's what they gave him. You know why? Because they were making a statement. We recognize this one that we're worshiping is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Gold goes to a king. Then they pulled out some myrrh. Myrrh is an embalming ointment used on the dead. The undertakers of that day used myrrh. And yet these wise men now pull out a balm, a Vaseline, if you will, and they lay this down before a two-year-old little boy. He's just starting out in life. Why in the world would they give him a something associated with death? Because they knew something. The one born in the cradle was headed where? To the cross. Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And they worshipped the Savior. And then they gave him frankincense. Frankincense was a spice, an aroma burnt in the temple. And it was for God. Only God was supposed to breathe the aroma of frankincense. And these wise men said, oh yes, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes, he's the Lamb of God, the Savior who came to take away the sins of the world. But more than that, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm through. He is God Almighty. You ask 
Why, why, why are the cults so bad, Pastor? Why are the Jehovah Witnesses? Why are the Mormons? Why are other cults so bad? They're made up of good people. How can you say they're wrong and they're going to perish? Listen to your pastor. It's because they reject the fact that Jesus is God. Those wise men were smart. They recognized that Jesus was God in a human being. Not God in a human body. God in a human being. And they worshipped. Wow. What a story of a star. That star took the word of God that those wise men studied. And that star lit up that word of God that they could understand it and apply it. When you and I read this book, we can understand what it says, but we don't understand what it means the Spirit of God shines the light in us that we can know it. Wow. This Christmas, may I challenge you not to be so much concerned at what's the top of your tree, but rather be more concerned about what's in your heart. Don't be so much concerned about what's under your tree. Be more concerned about if you have found Jesus and is he alive in you. Don't be so much concerned about whether your tree is perfectly decorated with all the different lights and ornaments. Be more concerned if you have the light of the world shining through you. Let's not miss Christmas as the light is shining to tell us all about it. Heads are bowed and